0: So this morning, uh, the message is entitled "The Most Important Question," and um, is it, um, Jack said, "Jack Christie said the most important question is what time is this service going to be over today." So, <laughs> so. but you know, um, this morning because I knew the children were going to play, I wanted to. Uh, I found this video on God Vines, and they asked children uh, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? So I'm hoping we can play this video. If that was me, I like how she didn't even ask a question. She just would said she would give uh, God a hug. Um, so I wonder what you would ask if you had a chance to ask God any question. And all those questions, they are important. And and believe me, God is not surprised. He's not offended. He's not upset when we ask him a question. And so today we're going to be reading about a gentleman, a young man, who approached Jesus to ask him a question. And I would say that this is the most important question that can be asked uh, by any of us. And so the story is in the New Testament where, where uh, we're going to find this in, in the book of Mark. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 10, uh, 17 through 23, And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you in the pew. It's on page, uh, the Black Bible, it's page 1002. So I'm uh, going to read uh, the text. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered? No one is good except God alone. then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So before we look more closely at the text, I want to point out that this story is also found in two other gospels. It's found in the gospel of Matthew of uh, chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, and Luke 18, verses 18 through 30. And it's called The Rich Young Ruler. So we want to start with the very first, and it's on your notes there, who asked the question? This most important question, who is it that asked it? Well, if you look in verse 22, it says um, that it was a man that had great wealth. So the first point is: is he likely lacked nothing, lacked for nothing, materially speaking. So in the original language, this word for the, the, the original text says that he had many possessions. So it wasn't like today, you have 401, you have stocks, you have bonds, you have uh, property, things of that nature. Most likely, he had cattle and, and sheep and goats and uh, land that could be, you know, sown and harvested. So the, the property that he had was in an agrarian society, the, the material possessions that he had likely would have made him very wealthy. And so he did. He had a lot of, he had a lot of, of resources. He had a lot of income. And so the man was rich. Next, if you look, it says that uh, in the, the account from the Gospel of Matthew, and you don't have to turn there, it describes him as a young man. And so, uh, uh, the second point, B, he likely had strength and health. So one commentator says that this idea, this idea of youth, has to do with vigor and strength. So yet he, he had that energy, he had that that health, and in, and the uh, Jewish philosopher, his name is uh, Philo, he said that this age was most likely between the ages of 21 and 28. Twenty-one and twenty-eight is how old this young man probably was to be called the the, the youth, and it was interesting because because uh, um, that today would be a millennial, a young millennial, and it's interesting because millennials kind of get you know jumped on and so forth, and it's interesting how he this young man, and I think there are probably more than we might think who have a similar question about. Spiritual things and about the and about heaven and hell and the afterlife or whatever. So, so this this was a young man. So he was wealthy, and he was young. Now, uh, uh, I consider myself old, and I know some of you would say, Pierre, you are not old. You are not old, and I, I realize the the older we get, then people that are like. Like are younger than us, then oh, they're not old. <laughs> so, so as I get older, then yeah, forties not old, you know, fifties not old, and so. But, but in reality, these people over here are young. They have energy. They could stay up. I mean, if you were with them at camp, they could stay up and get up the next morning. And and with you and me, we'd be like, <laughs> we'd be like falling asleep on the job or driving or whatever. That is young. They have the energy. They're full of life and vitality. That They are young. They are young. And so the man was rich. The man was young. And finally, he likely had power and authority. Now, the Greek word for ruler, which is it's found, the, the word ruler is found in another, another uh, one of the other uh, accounts. The word for ruler, you see up here, it's a person in authority. A magistrate, a judge, a prince, a counselor, a member of the supreme council of the Jews, a man of influence. So this guy, he had it all. And in, in fact, it's interesting uh, uh, that it was because of his youth, is because of his wealth, that he was most likely given this position of power. And we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty soon what what that was. Well, it says there he was a member of the supreme council. Of the Jews, so this guy, he had some power. So the guy was rich. He was young. He was powerful. Uh, What a combination! Some of you are young, but you're not rich, and you're not powerful. Some of you are rich, but you're not young, and you're not you're not uh, what's the other? I mean, you're not you're not uh, uh, powerful. You're rich, or you have power, but you don't have the other two. Okay, so so this guy, he had. He had it all, and he had it all at an early age. But yet he was missing something, and so he comes to Jesus. And I wonder if he would, would echo the words of the, the band U2, if you're familiar with that song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And that's what the, the this appears to be the case with this young man. Now, before I move on to the next point, I want to point out something. If you look at the beginning of your text, Mark 10, 17, it says that Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. I mean, I don't know, if somebody came running up to you and they fell on on their knees, you're like, whoa, what is going on? This guy, he, he, he... Despite his his power, despite his wealth, uh, his position, he runs up to Jesus. So there appears to be a sense of desperation. He's desperate. He's desperate. And not only is he desperate, but he bowed before Jesus. He fell on his knees before Jesus. So there was this, this humility about him. And I think about that for you and for me, you know, when we pray, I've I developed a bad habit because of my, because of my knees. I don't, I don't bow always. I don't get on my knees always to pray. And I think there's something to be said about getting on our knees and humbling ourselves before the Lord when we pray. So we looked at who asked the question. Is the rich, young ruler, powerful, young, wealthy? Well, who's the one that answered the question? Look again at the beginning of your text. Mark 10, 17 through 18. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit life, eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Now, to be clear, Jesus was not saying that he was not good. And he was not saying that he was not God. In fact, he was saying the opposite. He was saying that he is he is good and he's God. But this young man, apparently, even though he's being respectful, he doesn't really know who he's coming before. You know, uh, if you're, when your children are young or if you have young children now, and they come up to you and they say, wise father, or they say, strong father... <laughs> they would be like, what is wrong with you? Because they have no idea how much wiser you are than they are and how much stronger than, than they are, than you are than they are. They don't have any idea. And so I think that's what's going on with this guy. Yes, he's desperate. He's humble. But I don't think he understands. I don't think he recognizes who he was addressing himself too. He says, good teacher. And he didn't recognize. This was not just a teacher. This was the son of God. And that's the next point. Jesus, who answered the question? First, it was Jesus, who? He was the son of God. Do you know there's a lot of instances in the New Testament where Jesus claimed to be God? Uh, If you've ever been in in Wayne Stauffer's uh, Sunday school class, You may have, we do a lot of apologetics, and we study about the deity of Christ, and he does an excellent job of teaching that, yes, in the Bible, Jesus claimed to be God. If you look at John 5, verses 16 through 8, it's on the screen. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus didn't have any problems claiming who he was and acknowledging who he was. If you look at John chapter 10, verses 28 through 31. Jesus said, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Again, the Jew, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him because in their eyes, in the Jewish leader's eyes, he had blasphemed. He had said that he was God. He said, I and the father are one. So they picked, they, they picked up the stones uh, to stone him. You know, Tim Keller, excellent writer, a former pastor from New York, he said Jesus wasn't just the nice guy who did good in the world. You don't crucify nice guys, you crucify threats. Jesus was a threat because he claimed to be the Son of God. So the rich young ruler was talking to the Son of God. But he was not only the son of God, who's answering the question, uh, B, he had the words of life. So the rich young ruler, he was coming to Jesus because he considered him to be an expert on eternal life. That's what he asked him. And and so uh, it's interesting, uh, 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 this young ruler is not the only one who recognized that Jesus had the words of life. There was a time when Jesus was preaching, and, and he said something, and I don't want to uh, go into what he said. It's very controversial. In fact, even if you read it, you'd be like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? But, but uh, it says, after he finished speaking, many of his followers left him. They stopped following him. And Jesus turns to Peter, and he says to Peter, uh, well, let's look at uh, John chapter uh, uh, 6. This is verses 66 to 69. It's on the screen. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So the rich young ruler, again, he's he's thinking Jesus is a great teacher and he's an expert and he knows about uh, the eternal life. But he didn't recognize that he was talking to the Son of God and to the one who had the words of life. So kind of started backwards, talking about who asked the question and, and who answered the question. Well, what was the question? Mark 10 uh, 17 again. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that interesting that he used the word inherit? This guy's young. He's, he, he's got a lot of wealth. Uh, uh, yeah, there are there are young people who are wealthy. But one of the things that you would wonder is, is where did, how did he get so rich, so young? So it's very likely, likely, I don't know, just kind of thinking, it is possible that he inherited his wealth, that he was born into wealth, that he was born and his father was successful, his grandfather was successful. So he was literally the, the likelihood born into wealth and prosperity. And that's really all that he knew. Okay, so, so, uh, but, he says, desperately, coming to Jesus, and that's point A, what do I need to do to get to heaven? So we talked about that he was most likely a Jewish religious leader. And again, because of his his piety, he was a righteous young man. He was a good young man, and he had wealth, and so... They wanted to put him on the elder board. <laughs> they wanted him to be the head of the synagogue. They wanted him to be the head of, in the, in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. And so, because of his wealth, because of his piety, they put him on there. He would know Deuteronomy 440, which says, Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time." And then De- Deuteronomy 12.32 says, See that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. So you can see how the young man, this young rich ruler, might have thought that he could somehow earn his way into heaven, that there's something that he could do. Um, it's interesting, if you know anything about the Pharisees, these guys were hardcore you know, like these people that do the CrossFit, you know, or the people that are paleo and they don't eat any carbs at all and no sugar. And no, those guys, those, those, that's hardcore. <laughs> you talk about commitment. Well, these guys were committed. They, they, even, they even used certain laws that were not actually uh, in the Bible, that were part of oral tradition to prevent them from breaking God's law. That's how radical that they were. And, and believe me, uh, initially, they probably did preserve the Jewish culture during the time of 400 years of silence when there was no, there was no prophets, there was no kings, there was, just, there was just God's people waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So this guy, uh, he, was, he was almost like the Apostle Paul. Radical, intense, devoted to the law, keeping the law. So the rich young ruler was most likely very a very moral and upright person, and he was good at keeping the law. He wants to know what to do to in, in, inherit, to earn eternal life. But it's interesting that he asked a follow-up question. And I know in our text, if you look, uh, it says uh, uh, that Mark 10.21 says, one thing that you lack, because the idea, the follow-up question is, Uh, Point B, am I missing something? Am I missing something? And again, if you look, there are two two texts. Mark chapter 10, 21, Jesus tells him, one thing you lack. But Matthew 19, 20 says, he asked, what do I still lack? He asked what he lacked, and oh boy, he was going to tell him. Do you ever do that? Do you ever like, uh, 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 I don't want to know. Don't tell me. What did he, what did he do? Oh, you all not believe what so-and-so did. What did your children, what do they do? Oh, don't tell me. I don't want to. I don't want, wait till I get home. Well, he asked, and Jesus was going to tell him. So look at verse, uh, in, in, your, in your Bibles, Mark 10, 19. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the one where it says you shall not defraud, most commentators believe that's the one that's you shall not covet. You shall not covet. So I, I created this slide with the Ten Commandments. And so I want you to look at this slide. And I wish I had one of those pointers because you can tell that Jesus only mentioned how many commandments? Six. <laughs> really uh, six. He only mentions six commandments, and and it's interesting about these commandments. Um, the, the Matthew uh, ch- uh, chapter uh, twenty two, verses thirty six through forty. It's going to be up on the screen. That these commandments are very important. The Ten Commandments are divided into two sections, and these commands make up the second session. Second section. What are the two sections? Let's look at this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This this sentence is so important. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And you can see the, from the, from the ten commandments that were shown. uh, Honor your father and mother. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. You know, don't uh, bring false testimony. All those. You can't love somebody and steal from them. You can't love somebody and lie about them. So these have to do with the second set of commandments. So what what was Jesus saying? Point A, love other people as much as you love yourself. Love other people as much as you love yourself. So Jesus didn't challenge this young man's claim that he kept the commandments regarding loving other people. He said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. So again, I, I, I think, you know, this guy's really given a hard time <laughs> in, in sermons and whatnot. But I, this guy, he wanted to talk to Jesus. He, he wanted to ask Jesus about eternal life. That, he, yeah, he was rich, he was young, he was powerful, but there was something missing in his life. And so he ran to Jesus and he fell on his knees and he, and he asked his question. Which was a good question. What must I do? And so Jesus was telling him, yeah, you, you are, you are, you are uh, uh, he, he didn't say, oh, no, you're not, you're not keeping those commandments. He says this, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Look at the next slide. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Mark 10, 37. What was, what was Jesus going after? What was Jesus, he was talking about the, the, in, in Mark ten thirty seven. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. What does that mean? It means to love God, point B. It means to love God with absolutely everything you have. You know, uh, is heart and soul and mind. I don't want get, to get, get into what those specific things mean. That's a sermon in, in and of itself. But I want want you to look at how we know that the young man did not love God with all his heart and soul and mind. If you look in your Bibles, Mark 22, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You know, the original language, the original language says his face dropped. Have you ever seen someone's face drop? You know, In, in my work as a counselor, I see, I see people's faces drop when they hear that their spouse doesn't love them anymore and doesn't want to be married to them anymore. I see their faces drop. They come in with dropped faces because somebody that they dearly loved died, an untimely death, a violent death, and their faces drop. And, and I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking these these reactions, but but in particular because of what Jesus told him, and his face dropped. So I'm 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 wanting you know to ask, based on his reaction, what Jesus told him: go and sell everything you have, and give to the poor, and come and follow me, and you will have eternal life. And his face dropped. So based on his reaction, which do you think the, the young ruler loved more? His God or his wealth? His God or his wealth? So at an application. I'm trying to go through this very quickly. Thank you for your, for your patience. Number one, there are other things besides material wealth that we can love more than God. Because you might be like, hey, you know, the, the disciples, apostles said, oh, hey, uh, rich, you know, I'm not rich. I ain't rich, so I ain't got to worry about that. I ain't, got nothing, I ain't got nothing to sell. I need some help. <laughs> I'm not rich, so it's not a problem for me. No, there are things that you and I can love more than God. Uh, other things that we, besides material wealth that we can love more than God. Tim Keller, again, wrote a book called counterfeit gods. What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. So in the case of the rich Ruber is wealth. But in other cases, in our case, there are other things: our careers, our health, pleasure, and yes, maybe even our loved ones. This is this is. Uh, 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 I had a conversation with a gentleman, and he grew up in church, and he would go. I think it was a conservative evangelical church, and he would go, and he, he would go to the camps, and he would. He loved a church and, 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 and the Bible and, and getting together with the other young people. But then he heard a sermon about heaven and hell, and he came to the conclusion that if his parents had not received Jesus, they would not make it to heaven, which that's what the Bible teaches. That's what God, That's what Jesus himself said. He who believes in me is not condemned. He who does not believe in me is condemned already. But he said, I don't want to be a part of Christianity that's going to send my parents to hell. You look at uh, Matthew ten thirty seven. Anyone who loves their father or more Mother, more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This is hard. Of course, God wants us to love our children, our grandchildren, our spouses. Our brothers, our sisters, our mother-in-laws, our father-in-laws. God wants us to love, God wants us to love them. But He wants us to love Him more. And some of you know this because you have lost someone. There was someone that you loved and you depended on and you counted on, and they're gone. But you haven't turned your back on God, which is an indication to me. That yeah, you might have been angry at God, you might have been questioning God, you might have been confused, but you still believed in God. But can all of us say that? If we were to lose some, something dear to us, if we were to lose someone dear to us, would we still put our faith in God? Number two, we can never be good enough to earn eternal life. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.16 says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. No one. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how how uh, money of the commandment, you keep all the commandments. You're never going to be good enough to be justified by what you do. You can't earn salvation. Well, then how are we saved? Look at number three. We are saved by faith alone, but not a faith that is alone. Look at uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Some of you could quote this by heart. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace through faith. But look at what uh, the late theologian R.C. Sproul said. This guy, he had a reformed tattoo on his arm. That's how, how serious this guy was. He said, we are not saved by a... Prof- by a profession of faith, or a claim to faith, that faith has to be genuine before the merit of Christ will be imputed to anybody. You can't just say you have faith. True faith will absolutely and necessarily yield the fruits of obedience and the works of righteousness. Pastor Greg is preaching it's an incredible series in the book of Genesis. And if you were here last week, he talked about Abraham. And uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about Abraham. In, in Romans 4.3, he says, What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Notice it doesn't say Abraham believed in God. It says Abraham believed God. It means that he trusted God completely with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind and all of his strength and everything he had. So much so that when Pastor was talking last week, when God called him and said, I want you to go to a distant land that you don't know and no family. I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave what you're familiar with, your comfort zone. I want you to leave and I want you to go to a land that that you don't even know of, but I'm going to show it to you. Abraham didn't like. Is that God talking to me? <laughs> it says he went. He, he packed up his bags. He packed up his family. And he went. And more than that, if you look at... Uh, well, we, 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 we talked about Genesis 12, 1 through 4. I didn't read it. I talked about it. But it talked about go from your country. But if you look at the next text in Genesis 22, verses 2 to 3, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as an offering on a mountain. I will show you. Look at this. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. You see, Abraham didn't complain. Abraham didn't say, hey, you made a promise to me. You gave me this son. Why are you turning? Why now are you asking me? to to give him back to you to sacrifice him why you, you put me in this situation and how then am i supposed to be a father of many nations he didn't say that he didn't say that he simply obeyed because he believed god and in fact in hebrews said you know what he knew maybe you're not familiar with this he believed that god could raise his son from the dead that's why he said, you know what, I'm going to do what God told me to do, even if it doesn't make any sense, because he told me that through Isaac, my, my generations, my, my heritage, this nation would come. And if, if I kill Isaac, God's going to bring him back to life. Well, of course, you know, he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. Now, some of you may be thinking, "Here, sound like a gospel message <laughs> for sinners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know there's another, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm way over time. Jesus met with another man, came to him. Nicodemus, was a Pharisee. Jesus said, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And and Jesus could have said the same thing to this guy. Oh, man, hey, rich guy, young guy, powerful guy. Hey, just believe. Believe. He did have to believe. But there was something... That was going to get in the way of his belief. And he wasn't willing to sacrifice, to surrender what he trusted in. He wasn't willing. And he went away sad. And some of you may be thinking, what about me? Look at the last point. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you look at the end of the story, if you still have your Bibles open, we didn't read this, verses 24 through 30. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter said, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers, sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me. And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields. Along with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. I want to ask the praise team to come up as I close. The quote that we, that we were reading, the reading, uh, that he is no fool. If you don't know this story, it's, a, it's an amazing story about a young missionary back in the 1950s and his wife. And they uh, went to uh, Ecuador in South America. They were missionaries there. And Jim Elliott, who that's the quote, who's from, that's who the quote's from, he's the one who wrote that in a journal years before. And, and when he flew into uh, uh, this, uninhab- this uh, that had never been reached, they were an unreached people group. When he flew in there, there was a couple of people, uh, tribes people that kind of greeted him. But then before you know it, they were surrounded and they were sh- speared to death. They'd only been there like two years. I mean, literally, the, uh, Elizabeth Elliott, st- she just passed away, like, she's really old. She passed away in 2015. But her husband died 28 years old. He was, he was young, but he was willing to surrender his life to God. He was r- willing to surrender everything. And I have a friend. good friend. He has a daughter. She married a missionary pilot. And some of you may have heard about this. They were in North Texas. They moved down to Guatemala. Young man in his 20s. And as he was coming back from dropping off a missionary or picking up a missionary, his plane crashed. He was uh, badly burned and he ended up dying. This young woman has three small children under the age of four and was pregnant with another one. That doesn't make any sense. She she sacrificed and he sacrificed. They were willing to sacrifice their lives because they loved the Lord, because they believed in God. And she might say, man, Lord, what about me? Well, she came home to family she came home to mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers. She came home. She surrounded. She was so strong, she testified at his funeral, and she led in worship. Why? Because she believed God, and she surrendered all. Oh, that's what we're going to sing about. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we just thank you, Lord. You speak to us hard words. You speak to us, Lord, because you love us, Father. And you know, Lord, that in order to enter your kingdom, we have to be willing to surrender everything to believe in you, but not with an empty faith, but with a faith that is willing to surrender everything, Father. Search our hearts this morning, Father. If we are not a Christian, That we would put our faith in you for the first time. Or Lord, if we have allowed idols to enter our lives, Lord, help us to lay those down. Help us to surrender. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.